parents of little ones, exciting news. Introducing Koala Tots, my new sleep show for babies and toddlers. Designed to help them drift off faster and stay asleep longer, it features calming rhymes, original bedtime stories and soothing sleep sounds. It'll not only soothe them, but also contribute to their cognitive development as they sleep. Find Koala Tots on your favourite podcast platform. Hit follow and make the next nap time a breeze. I'll see you there. Hello and welcome back to Koala Moon, a podcast of original children's bedtime stories and meditations designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco's got his drums out and wants to give a rousing warm welcome to... Immy Probert. Thank you for choosing us over your audiobooks, Immy. Ellie in County Meath and Elliot Higgins in Dublin. Brother and sister May and Emmett. Ada S. Linnea. Brooklyn Marie from Australia and Fionn in West Yorkshire. Welcome from me too. And thank you for deciding to join the club and support the show. We love hearing from you and knowing that you're enjoying bedtimes. Enjoy all of the extra episodes and let us know what you'd like to hear more of. We're all ears. Well, that's a funny phrase, isn't it? But you know what I mean. Before we begin, a quick message for the grown-ups. If you'd like to support our podcast, enjoy ad-free listening, unlock four bonus stories per month and much, much more, you can join Coco Club. Subscribe in just two taps via the link in the show notes. But now here's a quick word from our sponsors. Talking of ears, tonight we're going to try something. I'd like you to get into bed, get comfy. Breathe out and try to relax everything. I mean everything except your ears. So breathe in and out. Relax your body, your arms. Relax your legs and your feet especially. Now breathe and relax your shoulders. Drop them right back down into the mattress and relax your head too. Try to just breathe in through your nose and as you breathe out through your mouth, relax your forehead. Mm. And your cheeks. And mouth. And tongue. So it's just resting in your mouth, just down behind your teeth. Lovely. All relax now. You only need your ears for this. And if you drift off soon, that's totally fine. You can listen again anytime. As you relax, imagine in your mind some kitchen foil, cotton wool and paper. In tonight's story, imaginative twins Beth and Theo are building a whole village in their garage with everyday items. Around their made-up village, whizzes a gleaming toy train, driven by a badger with a shiny hat. Tonight, the twins decide to peek at the town after dark, and they are astounded by what they find. Now it's time to start. 
The Teeny Tiny Toy Town by Jane Thomas Beth and Theo stepped back and admired their work. It had taken all their spare time for a whole week to put everything together. The twins had stolen moments before breakfast and when they'd come home from school and turned down invitations to the park and the swimming pool in order to work on their masterpiece. With the final duck in place on the pond, their village was complete. It all started when Beth was given a little family of woodland creatures a few years before. Not real ones, you understand, but tiny little toys that came with jackets and trousers and hats and dresses. At the same time, Theo had been given a pile of wooden building blocks in every colour of the rainbow. They were twins who shared everything together, and the woodland creatures and the building blocks were no exception. Theo spent hours creating miniature schools for the creatures to attend, and Beth spent hours arranging her creatures in the houses and bakeries and libraries that were assembled in the room above the garage. Together, they made beds and sofas from cardboard boxes, adding softness with mounds of cotton wool and tiny cutoffs of material from their mother's sewing shop. Their mother saved the scraps every day and solemnly handed them over at the end of each week watching as Beth and Theo transformed remnants from skirts and shirts into carpets and curtains. But the crowning glory, the thing that had taken them a week to add to their scene, was a miniature train set. The twins had been eyeing one up for months. Every time they went to town, they would drag their parents along to the toy store window and make them watch a train set. There were three smartly painted carriages, all blue with a white stripe along the middle. And inside, there were rows of seats just waiting to be sat on by the army of woodland creatures Beth had gathered. At the front was a glorious, shining bright red steam engine. If you pulled a handle on the side, the engine whistled and smoke came out of the chimney. The three carriages were pulled by the engine around metre after metre of track. Anyone buying the train set in all its glory would be lucky enough to have two bridges included, one of which was an adorable little arched stone bridge, and the other being a modern suspension bridge that reached up as high as the crossing it spanned. There was also everything there for the owners of the track to create a tunnel and sets of signals to put at important road crossings and a train station with a tiny ticket office in a separate waiting room. Beth and Theo didn't really believe their parents would ever get them the train set, but they dreamed of owning it and including it in their village above the garage. And actually, they were right. The twins' parents worked hard, but the train set was terribly expensive and it broke their hearts to know it would never be a part of the village their children had so lovingly created. So, it gave Beth and Theo's father quite a turn 
when somebody offered him an old train set in exchange for help fixing his car. Never had he pedalled his little bike faster to a job. Never had he so willingly thrown down his pile of spanners and wrenches and lifted the hood of a car. His hands positively flew about the engine, tweaking this pipe and tightening that screw, pouring in exactly the right amount of oil into this cylinder and exactly the right amount of water into that. So when the man went to start his car, it almost sounded as if the engine was singing. It took their father five trips on his bicycle to bring the train set back home in bags he swung from the handlebars and a box he strapped to the rack on the back. For night after night, he and the twins' mother sat up and carefully repainted the battered old train set, painting all four carriages a cheerful blue and giving them a silver line right along the middle. The engine became a glorious red, with a golden chimney, and the V-shaped grate on the front also shone with the shimmering golden paint. The tired and worn seats were carefully removed and covered with new material. Each piece of track was polished until it gleamed, and they added taut wires to the suspension bridge to replace the ones that had rusted and made sure all the signals were a bright red and white. There was no way for them to make the engine whistle and produce smoke in the way the one in the shop window did. So, instead, they added a teeny tiny bell they borrowed from a toy ship that was broken beyond repair after Theo had accidentally sat on it one day. Beth and Theo knew something was up but they weren't sure what, because their parents kept smiling and giggling to themselves. Beth spent hours secretly hoping they were getting a puppy, and Theo spent hours secretly hoping they were getting a kitten. But neither of them could have guessed what was in the enormous box on the kitchen table when they came home from school last week. The arrival of the train set meant rearranging some elements of the village. And because the train came with a tunnel, they needed to build a hill for the tunnel to run beneath. By the time they'd finished, they had a complete village set around a lake made of blue crepe paper and dotted with tiny rubber ducks and boats made from folded white paper. It was surrounded by green hills made from papier-mâché, painted green and dotted with tiny white flowers. Some cows grazed on one slope, and on another, because Theo wanted to incorporate absolutely everything he could, a clutch of dinosaurs munched the grass. Of course explained Theo importantly when he showed the completed display to his parents. The Tyrannosaurus Rex wouldn't really have eaten grass, but Beth kicked up a right fuss when I put a sheep in his mouth. So we decided to make this one vegetarian. The arched stone bridge guided the train across a silver stream 
made of crumpled up kitchen foil, and the suspension bridge helped it cross a huge canyon created by moving two tables three feet apart. In the town itself was everything a village could need. There was a bakery called Roll Up, Roll Up, with rows of bagels and buns made from salt dough lined up in the window. There was a little pharmacy with a smart red cross outside to let the residents know what was inside. There was a bookshop called Peek-a-Book, filled with hundreds of books Beth and Theo had made from scraps of paper. A newsagent had shelves piled with all those useful things you find in newsagents, like pens and pencils, chocolate bars and bottles of fizzy drinks, and, of course, set up outside into piles tied with string, rows of newspapers. I came up with a name for the newspaper, said Beth proudly, showing off the latest copy of The Village Voice, local news and views. The headline declared, of course, the arrival of the railway. And so Over Garage Village was complete. Beth and Theo made sure to put all the creatures into the right houses that night, nestling them under the sheets and turning their heads on the cotton wool pillows so they looked as comfortable as possible. All the cars were parked up on driveways, the train was snoozing in the station, and the cows were taken in for the night. Just before they turned the lights off and said goodnight to their masterpiece, their father remembered one last thing. He disappeared for a moment before returning with a tiny box. Beth opened it to see the smallest, shiniest, smartest black cap she'd ever seen. It's important for the creature who drives the train to know it's their job explained their father. So Theo and Beth thought carefully before selecting a wise old badger to be the train driver. They placed the cap on his kitchen table, just where he might have left it after taking it off after a long day's work, and said a final goodnight to Over Garage Village. Beth and Theo soon found the problem with creating something as wonderful as their little village. Even though they'd had their bath and cleaned their teeth and brushed their hair and climbed into soft, clean pyjamas and buried themselves deep in their beds, they just couldn't sleep. The full moon shone through their thin curtains and they both tossed and turned this way and that, unable to stop thinking about the ducks on the pond and the dinosaurs in the field. As soon as their father's snores started to drift through the door, Beth turned to Theo and whispered, Let's go and have another look. Theo didn't need to be asked twice as quietly as they could, holding their breath for good measure. They turned the handle of their bedroom door and willed it not to squeak as they pulled it open. 
they tiptoed down the stairs, making sure to miss out the one that creaked, and padded softly through the kitchen and into the garage. Beth led the way up the ladder, feeling her way in the dark and carefully pushing open the hatch. The full moon was so bright, it was as if a lamp had been lit in the room above the garage. It shone through the huge windows and poured onto the village, and Beth looked across from her perch on top of the ladder. The village was alive. The train was chugging slowly around the track. The cows were back in the field and eating the grass, and the ducks swam and dived in the duck pond. Beth, whispered Theo from the bottom of the ladder. Get a move on. What's happening up there? Why aren't you letting me come up? Beth didn't know what to say. She turned and opened her mouth, but no words came out. Looking a little like a goldfish, she stood there for a while, opening and closing her mouth, and hoping something, anything, would emerge. In the end, she just beckoned for him to follow her, and climbed the last step so she was standing alongside over Garage Village. Theo clambered up next to her, and clapped his hands over his mouth. The twins exchanged wide-eyed looks and then turned back to the tables. Sure enough, the badger was wearing his cap and driving the train. In fact, he was just pulling into the station, and as he did, he leaned out of the window and rang the little bell that the twins' father had borrowed from the broken boat. The platform was filled with all manner of creatures, dressed in the outfits the twins had lovingly made. All aboard, called a raccoon, pointing with a flag to the open train doors. Moles and foxes and stoats climbed down from the blue and silver carriages and mice and squirrels and owls hopped on to take their place. A whole line of miniature creatures dressed in uniforms were being ushered aboard by a couple of bears. Look, said Beth, pointing at the neat row of chattering creatures. The school children are having an outing. The raccoon walked along the platform, making sure the carriage doors were properly shut, and waved his flag at the badger and blew a whistle. The train pulled smartly away, bell ringing, and a few of the schoolchildren's mothers waved from the platform before heading off towards the shops with their bags and baskets. Theo and Beth watched as the train chugged its way across the arched stone bridge and headed off into the countryside they'd created. 
the passengers looked out of the windows, pointing at flowers and fences and sheep and cows. When the train disappeared into the tunnel, the twins heard laughter and giggles and ghost noises. And then one of the bears called out for everyone to be quiet, and the words echoed around inside the carriage as it travelled under the hill. Just on the other side, the train slowly stopped again alongside a platform the twins had quickly put together, and the badger once more rang his bell, and another raccoon appeared, calling out, Everyone for the hill! Everyone for the hill! All the school children filed out, lining up in some sort of order on the platform before being ushered away by the two bears. They started walking up the path of pebbles Theo had put in place, winding around and around the hill until they reached the part where the dinosaurs grazed. Here, all the children sat down and pulled out pencils and notepads and started drawing what they saw while one of the bears, the one in the yellow waistcoat and blue bow tie, talked through the different types of dinosaurs they were seeing. He seemed to interrupt his own talk. Funny, the bear said, taking a pair of glasses from his waistcoat pocket and peering more closely. That's a T-Rex. And he's eating grass. Gosh, children, this is changing history as we know it. Make sure you draw him as beautifully as you can so you never forget this moment. The T-Rex has always been known as a meat-eater, but here we see him, bold as brass, eating grass. The children dutifully ooed and looked impressed, and started fresh pages of drawings. The twins left the group on the hillside drawing their dinosaurs, and walked back around the table to be able to see the heart of the village. They watched as a giraffe and a lion, an unlikely pairing if ever there was, sat down at a table outside the Copper Kettle Café. A beaver bustled out and took their order, returning a few moments later with buns that Beth recognised as hers she had made just a few days earlier for the bakery. Two steaming cups of coffee were set alongside the buns, and the beaver disappeared back inside. The giraffe, dressed in a bright pink tutu, leaned her long neck down so she could hear what the lion was saying. It's a miracle, whispered Beth. All the animals are getting along. Theo looked at her and raised an eyebrow. That's what you get from this, he said with a touch of sarcasm in his voice. You don't think, oh my word, an entire model village has come to life. Beth shifted about on her bare feet. Well, she said defensively, 
You're the one who is apparently just fine with the dinosaurs coming to life. They looked at each other and laughed, stifling the sound as much as they could. The giraffe swung her head upwards and looked around, blinking. What's that? The twins heard her say to the lion. Oh, the paper said there would be thunder today. It's probably just that, the lion replied soothingly. The giraffe seemed to shrug, as much as a creature without any discernible shoulders can shrug, and leaned down again to get on with the gossip. Theo and Beth watched as the whole village carried on exactly as they had always imagined it might. The ducks paddled their way around the pond. A squirrel was working in the bakery, handing over salt dough rolls in exchange for plastic coins. In Peek-a-Book, an owl wandered around the shelves, putting books back in their rightful places and scurrying across to the counter to help a mouse buy a copy of Wind in the Willows. A very serious-looking sloth in a long white coat, stood at the back of the pharmacy, reading through notes and adding bottles and boxes to small paper bags, ready to be picked up by the day's customers. Beth giggled as she saw two beavers walk through the town with fishing rods over their shoulders, heading for the pond and casting their lines. They sat down in silence on their wicker baskets and settled back for a snooze, just the way her father and grandfather did when they went fishing together. They weren't sure how long they watched, but as the moonlight started to shift and move away from the windows, it was clear that evening was settling into the town. The train picked up the schoolchildren and their teachers on its final round, returning them to waiting parents at the station who clutched tiny claws and paws and guided them home. The twins stood and looked as the village closed down for the day. The shops were tidied up. The doors were firmly closed and everybody headed home. The old badger climbed down from the steam engine and set off towards the treehouse that Theo had built for the badger family, and they watched as he went through the door and into the kitchen, placing his cap on the table there. The cows were led back to their shelter for the night, and the dinosaurs lay down beneath the trees. The Mamenkisaurus turned and turned on his spot, just the way a dog will check every angle for the most comfortable position, before flopping down and wrapping his long neck about himself, as if to be tightly hugged and held as he fell asleep. Beth smiled as she watched the smallest creatures head upstairs to bed, each holding the paw of a teddy bear in their hand. 
Beth had spent hours making those tiny teddy bears from corners of cotton wool balls, dotting on eyes with a dark brown pen. I suppose we should go back to bed too, said Theo, reluctant to drag himself away from over Garage Village, but at the same time, unable to cover his huge dinosaur-sized yawn. I suppose we should, agreed Beth, feeling her eyes drooping and closing. Her limbs suddenly felt terribly heavy, and all she wanted was to be curled up in bed. They climbed softly back down the ladder, tiptoed through the kitchen, and then up the stairs, careful to avoid the step that creaked, and move silently towards their bedroom. Their father's snores still drifted out from behind their parents' bedroom door, and the twins slipped back into their beds and pulled the covers right up to their noses and snuggled down as far as they could. Good night, Theo, said Beth. Good night, Beth, said Theo. I wonder what the headline will be on the village voice tomorrow, mumbled Beth as she fell asleep. Perhaps it would talk about the thunder, or perhaps it would mention the vegetarian T-Rex, or the success of the train line's first day in the village, or maybe the beaver would catch a prize-winning fish. She smiled to herself as she disappeared into her dreams, thinking of all the ways she could make the lives of the little creatures who lived in Over Garage Village even more wonderful. She would have to make scarves for the winter, she thought and woolly hats with bobbles to keep their ears warm. And maybe she could add cookies to the windows of Roll Up, Roll Up. And perhaps there should be more flowers in the fields, and even fluffier white sheep by the stream. So the twins slept, and... Their parents slept, and the residents of Over Garage Village slept, and their dreams were the impossible, wonderful, unforgettable dreams of those who believe in magic.